Welcome to Web and Beyond Live for July 19, 2022. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, President of W3 Consulting and Managing Director of W3C Web Services, which provides affordable web and WordPress hosting, domain name registration services, and other web-related services, primarily for you, for small businesses. And so welcome to Web and Beyond Live. It's a weekly show about topical and timely small business, digital marketing, and related issues. If you're watching live or watching the replay, you can feel free to ask questions in the chat or the comment section. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast afterward, feel free to send me along a message. You can also tweet at me at W3Consulting on Twitter because I am a tweeple. Uh, I love Twitter. And so you can always feel free to tweet at me there. Uh, that being the case, happy belated World Emoji Day. And uh, this leads us right into uh, kind of the first thing I wanted to talk about today. And that is that we have the introduction of several new emoji coming out of Apple. And that usually means that, you know, there's some delay and we'll have new emoji coming out of the other platforms as well, Google and otherwise. They submit these proposals for new emoji, but you can see there's a fan and there's a goose emoji. <laughs> there's a wing, a moose, looks like a donkey. Uh, so you're going to have a lot of um, expletives, uh, you know, expletive use of the donkey there and <laughs> other kinds of things. We have maracas and a flute and a jellyfish and, and some other um, hand gesture emoji. Emojis. Uh, looks like stop or maybe a high five kind of emoji there. Uh, but you can see how these emoji are interpreted differently by people for different purposes. But either way, World Emoji Day was on July uh, 17th, I believe it is. It's every year, July 17th. And they usually go ahead and announce new emoji on those days. Uh, so these applications are out there. Not all of them will be accepted, but you know it's nice to see that Apple and Google and the other uh, Microsoft and otherwise are, are putting in new emoji to have greater both representation, but also just uh, greater language. You know, this is an interesting kind of area of of communication in the digital world where we're communicating with images in and a part of our written language. And so I'm just really fascinated by that from, from the, that perspective of how uh, linguists look at the conversation that's happening online, both pictorially and textually, and uh, how we connect in those ways. And those these are ways in which you can use this in a marketing sense, right? You know, in your email subject lines, you now have greater flexibility by putting emoji into your subject lines to grab your email reader's attention. So really consider these emoji a part of your marketing toolkit so that you're able to go out there and be more evocative, more emotive uh, in your communications. And, you know, there are some brands that are completely built on top of emoji, utilizing those memes and trends that are there. So really consider emoji a part of your marketing now and see how you can utilize them in those ways. Next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about this, um, the connection between online learning platforms and community. As you know, I'm a huge fan of a platform called Mighty Networks, and there are other competitors out there that are like Circle.so um, and otherwise that do this kind of thing where you have a community first, and then you basically sell online learning on top of that. That could be one-to-one uh, teaching that could be group-based live training, what they call cohort-based courses. These can be communities with asynchronous training. So you're basically uh, put recording content and putting it up there and people are engaging with it in that way. But this article really talks about the idea that the whole concept of learning online is 
uh, is very difficult. Uh, it's why people who take online courses, online classes in universities uh, tend to have a, a very high attrition rate. And you want to be able to make sure that you have people who are going through the transformation that you're promising in your teaching. So if you are planning to do any online uh, teaching, online training, those kinds of things, remember that people are looking for transformation. And transformation sounds like it's big and lofty and whatever else, but it's actually very, very small, right? It can be very, very small. You can just choose to have somebody make one, one very, very minute transformation, one little step toward something that can actually have profound long-term downstream effects. And so the point in this article, and I think the, the message that I've been standing on kind of my soapbox for the last several years is, is that business is founded on community and we don't frequently surface that to the level of awareness. And the more we do that, the greater and the stronger small businesses will be. And this is just bearing out in the online learning space as well by having the ability to have you and the community around you as you're learning creates a more verdant space, a more lush environment for you to be able to percolate ideas, get questions answered, have accountability so that you actually get through the training and have that transformation. And therefore, you're more likely to refer new people to the training. You're more likely to, uh, you know, um, uh, be interested in taking future trainings with that particular, um, you know, business. So if you're thinking about any of those things, really consider how you're going to, how you're going to deal with community in your business and really putting it um, front facing, making sure people know you have this supportive community around you as you're trying to learn. All right, next up is about the subscription economy. And this is really interesting to me. This is another entrepreneur. And actually, we have multiple entrepreneur articles that kind of uh, piqued my interest this week. And the idea here is that um, this article talks about the subscription economy and how it is uh, growing. And just so you have some idea about this, the subscription economy is all about the idea that people are paying some kind of recurring uh, fee to you for some kind of service. Now that could be services, it could be products, it could be content. And you need to figure out what that right mix is for your business. Like, so for example, I always think about almost every you know, business that comes in the door, you know, if you're a bookstore, I think, okay, well, how could you have a book club box, uh, you know, where you're sending regular uh, subscription boxes to those folks? Uh, if you are a restaurant, can you do meal prep and have a subscription meal prep for people? Like every type of business, I, I always try to think what could be in a subscription so that you can have a regular stable MRR, which is a monthly recurring revenue or ARR, annual recurring revenue. You want to be able to set your business up so that you can have stable, predictable revenues, at least on a base level. And then you can do all kinds of other uh, ad hoc work as it comes in the door as you're marketing other services and other lines of business. But you really want to have that stable business if it's possible. So this is the kind of thing where I really want you to embrace the idea of what is it that you can provide to a customer on a regular basis? If you're an accountant, can you charge a monthly fee and do a set of services for your businesses that are clients in that way? Think in every possible way, what would the things be that you could put together that would create a stable source of revenue, okay? And then you're gonna just be better off for it. And this brings us back to community, right? Because if you're charging for an online course, it's very difficult to charge for an online course that people are gonna take once. But if there's a community there, people are learning and growing together, and therefore you can charge for the community on an ongoing basis. And then the course is just one element of the ongoing access to that community. And so the subscription economy is here, it's now matured, 
There are newsletters that people are making a million dollars uh, for writing newsletters because of their expertise and the group of people who want access to that person's mind share. And the idea is, is that you can really do a lot here. They give five tips in this article. One is to embrace cancellations. Of course, there's going to be churn like in any market. And so they just don't be afraid of churn. Uh, they want you to get creative with um, your marketing strategy. Of course, that's something that we do here at W3 Consulting is helping our clients understand marketing strategies so that they can really lead out the gate successfully. Uh, focusing on retention. Of course, you don't want people to leave. And so what is it that's going to help you uh, keep people um, saying yes when they um, get the renewal notice, right? And you want to make sure that you're keeping people uh, renewing, um, you know, whether that's month after month, uh, but also, uh, you know, year over year. And so they talk about what, what are you doing um, to create an experience, right? And experience is important and many times in these subscription businesses, especially in a community-oriented uh, scenario, maybe not necessarily an email newsletter like Substack or whatever, but you know, you want to keep your keep your um, customer experience, your CX, really front of mind. Uh, and then they talk about create content your consumers want. Of course, you want to be creating content that your consumers are interested in, and that means uh, asking them. You know, getting feedback: is this stuff that really makes sense uh, to you? Is this stuff that you want to be able to um, continue to use in your own world, life, business? and getting that feedback from them. And then they talk about you know, embracing sustainability and diversity efforts. Uh, this is all around you know, DEI and A, which is accessibility. So uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, accessibility. And then of course, the, the, all the concepts around sustainability, environmental uh, issues, and so on and so forth. And they talk about the idea that you know, most customers are right now really focused on those issues. And you want to make sure that you are staying within that range that you know kind of um uh space of making sure that people know that you are focused on making sure that there is a diversity equity inclusion uh, in your business or that you're working on those concepts it's just good good marketing at the end of the day right it's what's good for the business so they give some really good suggestions here worth looking through and and kind of checking out i wanted to switch gears and talk a little bit about business to business. And I, I know I touched on it just a, a few minutes ago, but this article actually um, came up. It's actually a, uh, a podcast episode from Duct Tape Marketing. And it was all about uh, Michelle Kwan, I believe it is, uh, Melissa Kwan, who started eWebinar. And this is a, a webinar uh, tool. And the the interview is actually really good. And I, I recommend that you listen to it because what she talks about is um, all around the idea of building automated webinars. And in a B2B sense, uh, I mean, this works in a, in a B2C as well, and sometimes B2G, so business to consumer, business to government, business to business. So the ideas of working in a B2B environment mostly is where I find automated webinars really work. If you want to get in front of executives and in front of the right audience, having a webinar that you have set up so that people can engage with is really powerful. I know that it works in my own business. Uh, doing webinars is a huge part of our marketing strategy and has always been. And it helps people immediately understand my demonstrated skills and expertise in an area. And then they either want to work with me or they don't. They get to know me in that 
way really quickly, right? You know, you're you're getting someone whose personality you like and mesh with and so on and so forth, and you have an immediate opportunity to ask questions in those kinds of live environments. Here with an automated webinar, while you don't have that live Q&A necessarily, and some technology does allow for live Q&A even in an automated sense, uh, you have the ability to basically set up a webinar or a series of webinars and people can watch them on demand and therefore and some of them make them feel like they're not on demand some of them make them feel like they're live webinars so you you sign up and you can see like a live quote unquote live chat going on and and all these other other features and if you ask a question then people will be able to go ahead and um uh, you will be able to get a, a message saying, hey, someone asked a question, and you can immediately respond to it, even though you're not in the webinar platform itself. So there are lots of ways in which you can go ahead and utilize this automated webinar technology. And if you have any questions about them, uh, please reach out because I'm happy to answer any quick questions that you might have and lead you kind of in the right direction related to those because we've done a lot of webinars and automated webinars for our clients. So either way, I just thought it was a really good uh, you know, article on podcast on the episode. If you want to check out more about the idea, go ahead and uh, listen in. And if you have any questions, reach out. Uh, and then last but not least, I, I, I titled this episode uh, about recession because we've had a lot of discussion recently on in the media about uh, potentially an impending recession. And I don't think that it is, uh, you know, uh, clear cut that we're going to have a recession. I think that that is uh, still very much conjecture. Uh, but I feel like most of the things that you're going to do in a recession mindset regarding business marketing is uh, and is and are the same things that you should be doing from a high level, uh, like an excellent level of marketing anyway. So you should be doing these things, notwithstanding, like if you were at your best game, you would be doing these things so that your business was in the right uh, space for a recession, better yet, uh, you know, a good time. Uh, and so you don't want to be, you don't want to stop marketing when business is busy, right? Because then you're going to have lulls after the height of your business starts to dip off. And so the same thing with recession, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'll step back to the community, right? If you have a good and strong community, then your business is going to probably be a little bit more recession-proof than a business that does not have a community. And so what I mean by that is that every business has a community, technically, uh, but the businesses that actually focus on establishing a community that is uh, purpose-driven, right, that you are working to bring together is going to be a lot stronger in a recession than one that is not. So just keep that in mind that as you start to think, um, you know, and if you feel like you are starting to feel the effects of the, of a recession in your own business, because there can be uh, industry focused recessions, right, there can be parts of the economy that go into recession and parts that don't. Uh, these are some suggestions that are really good for being able to work through that. Uh, and I, we already touched on this earlier, right? Which is the strategy number one is about customer experience. Um, how do you increase the quality of your customer experience? That might be in product, that might be in one of your service lines, any number of ways in which you can make your customers feel more special and therefore increasing their likelihood to stay working with you. They talk about some of the digital 
um, components here, conversion rates in automated emails, using social media to engage your customers more, all good stuff there. Uh, they also talk about the concept of looking at your competitors. What are your competitors currently doing? They focus this on SEO, and I would broaden that to a much broader uh, you know, class of competitive anal analysis. I would go out there and look and see what types of products and services are your competitors doing? What do they consider their unique selling proposition? And this is not so that you can challenge them on those USPs, but basically complementing them. You're much more likely to have co-opetition than competition. And what I mean by that is that most businesses that are locally focused and are trying to get new business coming in the door, if you can find a complementary uh, service or product to a, comp a competitor in your market, they're much more likely to work with you and rising tides lift all ships. So go ahead and find out what works well for your business to be able to do and prepare for, for uh, you know, your community. And if you have a competitor who's doing something that can work with you, then cooperate with them on that, collaborate on them. And therefore you have uh, double the marketing, double the energy, double the resources to be able to make new customers come in the door. And you might even have a lower margin, but higher volume of business. And therefore it would be uh, just as much or more profitable to do those things. And those can work really well in a recession when you may not want to necessarily do that kind of coopetition during uh, you know, flush times during lean times, it could be the difference between you sitting and not working and you actually working and having new business coming in the door on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, they go back to content marketing and, you know, we can talk all day about how important content marketing is. Uh, this could be the time to actually start some kind of marketing hub. For me, a marketing hub is a co content piece that you're creating on your website that brings regular people to your website to consume that content. That could be a blog, it could be a podcast, it could be video content, it could be a webinar library, uh, it could be a resources library, but you're putting regular content in a concentrated space for people to come to your website and experience your brand and get to know you better. And so this could be a time where, you know, if business gets a little slow and you have the the flexibility to do so, you can spend some time working on a content marketing strategy that includes a marketing hub. And then they talk about, don't forget to track your progress. And I can't disagree with this statement. It's so important for you to go out there and to be tracking the data, knowing what's going on in your business and you know really what's happening with your business in in the data, right? Because you can you can have all of the feelings about how your business is doing, but it's really the underlying data that tells us, hey, these things are working and these things are not working. How do we make things work better? Uh, how do we get rid of the chaff from the wheat and uh, and then you know continue to keep growing as a business? And I find that when a business owner goes out there and looks at the data, right? You look at your accounting, you look at your you know your your profit and loss statement, your income statement, your your balance sheet. And on the other side, you look at all of your marketing metrics and you see what's going on out there in the world. And then you look at the kind of larger context, the macro level of various trends and reports. It gives you a holistic picture to help you make really good uh, data-driven business decisions. And that's when you know that you're going to um, be in the right direction, right? You're not going to necessarily guarantee success, but you're going to have uh, a paving the way toward the right direction. And uh, then it becomes an issue of implementation, right? It's all about execution once you have at least the right direction to be set in place. So I'm, I'm really uh, key on if you're going to 
survive any recession. You've got to both, of course, become a more more lean business, right? You got to cut back on expenses uh, that are not necessary during that time frame. You've got to increase your marketing to make sure that you are continuing to bring in new leads and uh, bring in new business that's going to keep your business viable during that recession period. And you want to be able to set yourself up for post-recession because remember, uh, after every bust is another boom. And so we want to make sure that we uh, we survive the valley and are prepared to kind of run up the 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 hill, right? So that we can get up uh, toward the peak and take advantage of it in the next, uh, you know, boom cycle. And it's it's really important that people remember that when all of those businesses during the recession that don't survive, which you know hurts me a little because I'm in economic development and I, I love seeing those businesses um, survive. Not all businesses are going to survive, and when they fall out. You want to be there to pick up that business and drive that toward greater revenues on the other side. So we really want to make sure that we uh, not only recession-proof, but we prepare for what comes after the recession. And that means putting in some some substantive foundational uh, you know strategy to make that happen. So uh, I hope that was helpful, kind of getting you geared up uh, around the mindset of dealing with. Uh, potential recession. Uh, but like I said, all the things we talked about are really good to do whether or not you are going to face a recession, right? It doesn't hurt to look at your uh, your income statements and look at your expenses and say, do we really need to be spending money on these things? Uh, it takes money to make money, of course, but you also know that you might be spending uh, cash on things that you don't need and you could be maybe stowing away that cash for a rainy day and or using it for greater uh, you know, structural elements for marketing operations expanding service lines and so forth. So with that, we've come to the end of our time together this week. Uh, if you've enjoyed this live stream, feel free to uh, hit the thumbs up icon that helps us make new small business friends. And so thank you for doing that. If you have a question, feel free to leave a comment, put something in the chat. You can also tweet or message me at W3Consulting on Twitter. And then you can, of course, join us uh, each week for Web and Beyond Live. Uh, note that I will be off next week. Uh, and so I will be out of town. And then when we get back, we'll get back into a normal, regular schedule on our Mondays, uh, hopefully um, in August through September and October. So I look forward to getting back into the normal routine after the summer, you know, vacations and summer travel and so on and so forth. Uh, but I want to thank you for um, spending this Web and Beyond live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead marketing your small business on the Web and Beyond.